invite you to turn in God's Word to the very first chapter in God's Word, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. At least for the month of January and then evening services beyond that, we're going to be journeying through the Scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. And we're going to be journeying through those Scriptures pausing at those places where God uses his creatures. That his creatures are part of the event, part of the story that is unfolding on the pages of Scripture. It is amazing when one stops and begins to reflect not only on the variety of creatures that are spoken of in Scripture, but how often they're spoken of in Scripture. So my challenge for you by next week is this. I'd like you to sit down and just make a list. How many stories from the Bible can you think of in which an animal... A creature plays a role. They're a part of the story. Now, don't use your Bible. Don't use your coordinates. Don't use the Internet. Don't Google it. Don't Just from your own sitting down and reflecting, how many can you think of where they are found as a significant or part of the event that God describes for us. It is interesting that actually the whole story of salvation can be told through the creatures that God made. It, it's, it's kind of interesting. I, I know we, we think of that as far as, yes, God created them, but I don't think we appreciate how often God references them in the Word. And if God is spending in his revelation to us, not just in his general revelation, but in his special revelation, God is giving to us information and conveying his message to us through his creation, through his creatures. Perhaps we should do a little more spending of time reflecting upon that as well. I could have begun by asking the question, how many of you own a pet? So put your hand up if you have a pet. Wow, look, at, just put your hand up, okay? Now let's add to it, how many of those of you, you might not have a pet, but own a creature? Okay, put your hand up, okay? It's not your pet, but you own the thing, right? Okay, wow. There's a significant number of us, see, that God's creatures have a part of our life. And, and I don't think that's out of coincidence. I, I don't think that's, that's some sort of accident. I, I think there is a reason why we as human beings have an affiliation towards the creatures that God has made and used and purposes to be used in our lives 
as well. Because he does so. From Genesis to Revelation, we will find God's creatures. Some of you are so enamored with these creatures that you're making it your career. Katie just returned to us from the great Kent State University with her degree. Others of you are involved in that or thinking of that. Well, let's look at it through a different lens, the lens of God's word. And we begin right at creation, Genesis chapter 1. Let's hear then God's breathed out word to us. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear and it was so god called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas and god saw that it was good and god said let the earth sprout vegetation plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed each according to its kind on the earth and it was so and earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for ye days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. And God sent them, set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful. And multiply, fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. 
And God made the beast of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. To every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. There was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's bow in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again that we have your word to read and that we can know how this world came into existence, that you created it, that you made everything after their kind, and it was very good. Lord, we pray that you'll be with Pastor Bob this morning, that you'll give him your words to speak, and that we will hear another message that we can apply to our lives and that we can go forth from here to tell others the good news of salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Three points this morning, if you're taking the notes. First of all, the two days of creation. Secondly, the good and very good. And then thirdly, the commands. So the two days of creation, the good and the very good, and the commands that are given. With that introduction, does, isn't it a reason to pause and to think? God creates man in a day. But his creatures are divided into two days. That the creatures come upon the surface of the earth prior to man. That the fish and the birds come upon this creation prior to man. When God is finished getting the earth ready, the first thing the Lord God does on day five, once it's all in place, once it's there, once we have light and darkness, once we have sky and firmament, once we have vegetation, once we have the orderliness of sun, moon, and stars. Once everything is in place, the first thing the Lord God does is create creatures to fill the earth. Once again, it gives us pause to reflect upon that which God is communicating. Creatures that Jesus would eventually tell us 
Even a sparrow does not fall to the ground without the will of our Heavenly Father. He feeds them. He cares for them. He provides for them. And here's where it begins on day five. Day five tells us and is telling us in the text that out of nothing, God is going to create. God is going to bring forth. God is going to bara, which means to make something new, something distinctive, something different out of nothing. It is called into existence. It's not the waters, as you read the text. There are, there are some who, who go down that trail. Well, it's the waters that actually brought forth the animals. No, it's the waters into which God is creating. It is not the sky, the atmosphere, that is bringing forth the birds. It is God creating them in the space of that air. Out of nothing. God, Elohim, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, willing, active, declaring, and God said, and it was so. Out of nothing on this day five brings forth the creation. We have not heard that, by the way. We have not heard that for the past several days of creation. God is busy making use of that which he had created and made, the heavens and the earth. Now, we read on day five that something distinctive God is doing. He is now going to create once again. He is now going to, out of nothing, fill those seas. He is now, out of nothing, going to fill those skies. And so day five records for us the sea and animal creatures. It is not necessary for us, nor is it helpful for us to somehow take some modern form of taxonomy and so on and try to take that modern scheme of man that is in some ways helpful and beneficial to understanding the, the organized world, but it's not necessarily helpful and beneficial to use all of those definitions to try to somehow figure it out here. Read it as we would as a child. What does it say? All those creatures that basically dwell in the sea and all those creatures that dwell in the air are that which God makes. It's not necessary for us to, to go beyond those definitions. It is plain, it is simple, it is straightforward. That is the way we are to read the Word of God. So on this fifth day, God creates the sea and air creatures. But what variety is there? We've sung about it in this last hymn. All, all the different uniquenesses of these creatures that God has made. Swarming the seas, filling the air each with their own particular coloring, form, makeup, size. There is an abundance of life. Isn't it beautiful that 
when we think back to this passage and this work of God in creation, if we go back to the fourth day, yes, there is the greater light, yes, there is the lesser light, but then we read that little phrase, and the stars also. The hundreds of millions of stars. God is not boring. God is not dull. God is vibrant. The description we're given in the book of Revelation of the beauty of the glory that surrounds him is vivid in color. God here lights the earth so that the beauty of his creation can be seen, can be beheld, and the variety of life is on display for us, even yet today. Who of us has, have not, at one point or another, even just stopped for a few moments and gazed at those fish and those tanks at Myers and gone, wow, look at the colors. Right? Who of us have, have not stopped and noted a particular dog and noted the coloring of that dog? God is not boring. God is not dull. This passage reveals that to us. But it also reveals to us the fact that there is great continuity. Our brother prayed about their kinds. Once again, it's not a scientific terminology that we're employing here from the 18th century or something like that. Okay? This is God's simple way of saying this. They will continue to produce like themselves. They will continue to be similar to. Each will produce that which is like it. Birds aren't going to produce fish. Fish aren't going to produce birds. That which dwells in the air is going to produce that which dwells in the air. That which dwells in the sea is going to Produce that which dwells in the sea. So much for modern evolutionary thought. Day six. What does day six bring us in terms of God's creation? See, he follows up upon filling the seas. He follows up upon filling the skies with now filling the earth. Note the text, though, verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures. Verse 25, and God made the beast of the earth. There is a distinction here. In day five, the fish are out of nothing. The birds are out of nothing. Day six, the land creatures... These land dwellers, all that lives upon the land, these land dwellers are out of the earth. God gives a command, earth produce. Earth is the substance out of which God shapes and forms. Go to Genesis chapter 2, 19. Now out of the ground, 
Out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Out of the ground he forms the beasts of the ground. Now, does that, that take away from the power of God? I don't think so. Okay. But it is a reminder to us of the fact that beasts also are from the earth. Beasts also are the dust. Secondly, as I noted already on day six, these are the land dwellers. In, in the passage, it's divided into these categories, as the text does, those that creep upon the ground, right? Okay, livestock and the beast of the earth. But in our way of understanding it, we read the text. We don't get into all sorts of phylums and all of that. It's just... Yeah, he made the land dwellers. And there is great variety here. There is the dog type. There is the cat type. There's the elephant type. There's the sheep type. There's the cattle type. There's the reptile type. The deer type. The bear type. All of these animals and creatures that fill the earth come back to God calling them forth from out of the earth. And, once again, according to their kinds. After their kind. Holding to its being. Like unto itself. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't accept variation. That we don't accept the fact that there are breeds. Of course we do. Change and adaptation, of course, is acceptable in our understanding. But a dog's always going to be a dog. A dog's never going to be a fish, and a fish is never going to be a dog. This is simply what God is saying to us. The whole evolutionary thought, which is based upon the change in those ways, God is, is saying, no, this isn't what I said. This isn't what happened. This isn't what took place. Your science teacher is wrong. The book is wrong. It is in error. God's word is the truth according to its kind. What it is, is that which it will produce. I look at a beagle. I look at a St. Bernard. I see two dogs. Different? Sure. But two dogs. And this is all that God is telling us. Plain, straightforward. But we did read about the distinctiveness of man. Notice what happens in verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Yet we know that God formed man out of the dust. So in that way, 
He is of earth like the animals were of earth, the land dwellers. Yet, God is saying, whoa, 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 I don't want you to ever mix these two. Hold on. Here, I am creating once again. Here, I am doing something new. Here, I am doing something distinctive. Why? Because man and man alone is the one who is created in the image of God. That image of God implies the idea of an eternal soul, the idea of reason, the idea of a morality, the idea of identity. Man is the only thing in all of creation that knows what it is. A dog does not know what it is. Doesn't know what it is, that's why it keeps trying to get on the bed. Because it doesn't understand it's a dog. Right? Man understands who they are. Man knows they're man. God knows he's God. We are in the image of God. We, we have a will. We can discern. We can reason. We are created in God's image. Distinct. Unique. Although sharing the fact that we are from the dust of the earth. So for two days, God in his six work days, one third of his work week is spent filling the earth with his creatures. And when he is done with day five, when he is done with day six, when he is done with that which he has done in total, he proclaims it is good. He proclaims it is very good. These creatures that I have made are good and very good. These things that fill the sea, these things that fill the air, these things that fill the land, I declare them to be good. I declare them to be very good. What does that mean? It means they are as God planned. It means they are as God designed. They, it means that they are as God made or formed them to be. See, think of it this way. Let's suppose you're contemplating the thought of building a new house. You have the thought in mind, okay? This is what your new house, would you would like it to look like. Sometimes for us, the thought, the concept, the idea that we have year, two years, five years to its construction doesn't always match the reality of what we stand in front of one day. You go, this isn't quite what I thought it would be. With God, that which he thought these creatures would be are exactly what those creatures were. What do we do when we build a home? We go from the thought process to the design. We put it down, right? We draw it out. God not only has the thought of filling the earth with his creatures, 
He designs these creatures. But those of you who work in the trades know you can have a blueprint, but once again, that blueprint doesn't necessarily mean an exact replica is being made out of that blueprint. Changes occur all the time, and sometimes there's like, that architect doesn't know what he's talking about. That's not the way you build that. This is the way you do it. So if you looked at the plan, the plan, the blueprints, don't really match the reality of what is there. Sometimes those blueprints include intricate details about the type of switch plate covers you're going to use. And it's like, eh, we're not using them, we're using these. Doesn't match. With God, the blueprint for his creatures matches what is made. That's why he says, it's good. It's very good. It's exactly what I thought and desired for them to be. It's exactly what I form, design them to be. But there is also the making, right? Those of you who have gone through the house repair, remodel, or building experience know that there are all sorts of decisions to be made momentarily. Now what? Now what? Now what? Now what? But there are those final details. And then the home emerges. For God, that which he speaks is not by happenstance. It's not random. It is designed. The thought, the design, but the actual formation of each one of those creatures is good just as I wanted them to be. They match my holiness. They match my perfections. They are what I designed, what I purposed, what I willed, what I formed them to be. Ah, it is very good. This is what God speaks over his creatures. See, I, sometimes I think we, we rush to the creation of man. We, we rush to man's creation. We go, well, that's what really God's really concerned about. He's really concerned about the, the creation of man. The rest of this, it's just, yeah, come on, come on, let's quit, get done to it so we can get to man. No, we need to stop. We need to pause and reflect upon the fact that God is taking his time. To design form to create these creatures as he desires them to be and he tells us they were those creatures were exactly what god wanted those creatures to be and then we read of commands that are given to the creature. A command, one, to increase, Genesis 1, And God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply upon the earth. God said, 
Be fruitful and multiply. God issues a declarative statement, a command. Be fruitful, fill the earth. He issues it again in verse chapter 1, verse 28. Do this. He is commanding the creatures. Yes, he's commanding man in verse 28. But the man in verse 28 includes all that he created on that sixth day. So if we focus on that, God says to the fish, God says to the birds, God says to the land dwellers, be fruitful, fill the earth, spread out, go throughout the earth. I'm creating you here, now go out. You have my permission. This is my desire, this is my will. We read a little while ago, right? Exodus chapter 20, God's will for our lives. Here's God's will for his creatures. God's will for them is increase, fill the earth. And by the way, I'm going to give you another command. How are we going to have the strength to do that? Here it is. Chapter 1, verse 30. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. Animals are not killing each other. Animals are not devouring one another. Animals are not sustaining their life by the killing of other animals. God has declared and given his command. You have the green plants. You have the trees. Eat, enjoy, increase, and fill the earth. And it was good. It was very good. Why? Why is it good? Why is it very good? Because they did it. The creatures lived in obedience to the command of their creator. What a lesson, isn't it? What a reminder to us, especially as we're going to turn the page to Genesis chapter 3 tonight. That it's not the creatures that disobey the command. It is man who disobeys the command. The creatures lived in obedience to the command. Now think about that. If the creatures of God, these, these, these creatures that, that you and I have been given dominion over these creatures that are not made in the image of God, but I am made in the image of God. I stand above these creatures, yet the creatures are submissive to the command of God. But how often, how many times in a day, week, in a month, in a year, in an hour, in a minute? Am I not living in disobedience to the command of God? See, there is a reminder to us here 
of our responsibility, of our duty towards our Creator. For He has formed you, O man. He has made you. He has created you. We should be yielding to God all of our allegiance. We should be giving to God all the glory. Instead, we harbor it for ourselves. We selfishly keep it. We live our own lives. And yet the creatures live in obedience to the command of God. I know, it's like, how did they understand that command? I don't know. But they did. They knew. They were aware. And God says, and it's very good. Morally, these creatures that I have made are living in obedience to the commands that I have given to them. And they obeyed. And yet there is one. There is one of those that God uses to portray to us over and over and over again in Scripture. A lamb. A lamb. Isn't it interesting that the first words out of John's mouth in regards to Christ is, Behold, the man who takes away the sin of the world. It's not his words. Behold, the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. There's a lot into that, and there's a lot packed into that statement that, Lord willing, over these weeks we'll have the opportunity to unpack a little bit more. But, but one aspect of that I just want you to think about is the obedience of that lamb. That that lamb obeyed fully its creator. That lamb. is going to offer its blood. That lamb's blood is worth something because of the obedience to its creator. Something to think about again. Something for us to ponder. We've just celebrated the birth of Jesus Christ. We've just celebrated the birth of the Lamb in the place where the lambs are born in Bethlehem. Oh, God continues to reveal to us on the pages of Scripture the beauty of these creation days. Pray. Pray that God would bless us as we journey through the pages of Scripture and see this beautiful revelation of salvation in the Lamb of God. And God's people say, Amen.